Hello everybody and welcome to the seventh episode of Beyond the Echo Chamber. I'm your host, Theo Boltman, and welcome to the podcast. Today we will be doing a bit of a fun little thing. Um, unfortunately I couldn't get any actual guests. But we're going to be doing a little research on comparing media of Trump's coverage of coronavirus, like Fox News, Vox, Business Insider, that kind of thing. It'll be fun. Why not? Um, today's my 40th day in isolation. I hope to interview someone and I emailed a lot of people. Malcolm Turnbull didn't want to do it. Kevin Rudd didn't want to do it. Um, Ronan Farrow didn't want to do it. And then a lot of people just didn't respond. Julie Gillard did not want to do it. And yeah, that's about it. Well, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been told about it, but I'm guessing she rejected the offer, which is okay. People are busy. That's life. That's life. But yeah, um, just a little introduction. I'm doing, I'm doing a lot better than I was before. Oh, maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Um, when I was recording that, I like wasn't really used to isolation, but now like, I think when I get out of isolation, it's just going to be bizarre to me. Like I'm weirdly used to this now. Like it's been 40 days like this, soon 50 if we don't have to hit a hundred, I doubt we will. I, I want to commend, I've never thought I'd say this before, but I want to commend the Australian community. Oh, I hate saying that. We've done really well. That sounded a bit weird, but like, unlike America, we've really banded together and actually gotten our business together and stayed inside. Like there's been few cases of parties and it's just I'm like weirdly proud of us and weirdly want to hold this against America for the rest of my life um I think this virus has also proved like America's instability and like we shouldn't give them as much attention as we do like I feel like everyone's just like F you America like you guys have really Messed up, which I acknowledge that they have a bigger population than us. But on scale, we have done a lot better than them. And I mean, let's remember doctors said that we would maybe like hit the, what's it called? The like thing that's really high. The peak, the peak, the peak. At like May or even November, we hit the peak in March. Like, damn, go off Queens. I think we could be back by June because I've been told that the like lockdown lockdown thing is going to be lifted by May 11th and then it'll take about two to three weeks to really start to get back into schedule. But that's my idea. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to make any promises to anyone. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. This was fun to record. Well, I actually haven't recorded it yet, so how would I know? Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Alrighty, let's get started. What should we do first? Let's do um, Trump halting World Health Organization funding. So just quickly, just as a, this is like, I'm trying to make it like unbiased as possible, but 
I do disagree with what Trump has been doing. So if it sounds a little biased, maybe it is. Um, so essentially America makes up 25% of funding for the world health organization, but Trump feels like the world health organization was favoring China, even though they give less funding and disagreed with how the world, I'll just say W who, who, who has been, Oh, that just sounds weird how the WHO has been handling the coronavirus. So he's decided he doesn't know, like it hasn't been announced how much funding he's bought. Obviously he's not going to pull 100% of his funding because that would just be crazy. But this is going to be really difficult for world health organization because America makes up 25% and now they're like, Oh shit. Like, what are we going to do? So let's read a couple of articles. We'll start, should we start with left or right? Ooh, um, well, I'm left-handed, so we'll start with left. So essentially, do they have like, um, this is a great, I, I'm actually using Vox. I definitely recommend Vox. It's really, it gives like solid ideas and it just kind of like, They've got great videos on things you didn't know you wanted to do, know about, like why get buy one get one free isn't doesn't actually work. Like, oh yeah, I wanted to know that. Um, so let's start by reading a couple of tweets. Um, in an April fourteenth press conference, President Donald Trump blamed the World World Health Organization for the COVID nineteen crisis in the United States and said he would halt its funding while a review was conducted. It's not clear if the president has the authority to do this. Congress approved the United Nations agency's budgets in December 2019, but the Wall Street Journal reports that Trump may be able to reroute $116 million allocated for 2020 to other global health health purposes or organizations or withhold funding for the next fiscal year. This is not the first time the president has accused the agency of mismanagement. He tweeted this a couple of weeks ago. The World Health Organization really blew it. For some reason, funded largely by the United States, yet very China-centric, we will be giving that a good look. Fortunately, I reject their advice on keeping our borders open to China early on. Why did they give us such a faulty recommendation? Others in the Trump administration and conservative media have also scolded the World Health Organization. It's a bit shocking. Yet Bill Gates said... Halting funding for the World Health Organization during a health crisis is as dangerous as it sounds. Their work is slowing the spread of COVID-19, and if that work is stopped, no other organization can replace them. The world needs at who now more than ever. Just quickly, for people that are wondering who the World Health Organization is, um, it works to improve global health in many ways by improving access to health, strengthening healthcare systems, and perhaps most importantly, preventing and responding to medical emergencies. Countries cooperating to control disease actually became earlier than germ theory itself, which started with efforts to coordinate it quarantines as back as 1851. So was the World Health Organization slow to declare COVID-19 as a public health emergency? So essentially, China first reported an unusual cluster of pneumonia cases in world in Wuhan, China on December 31st, 2019. The same day, Taiwan, who's not a member of the World Health Organization, also emailed the agency asking for information. Six days later, the agency alerted the scientific community and global media about the new virus. 
China did not publicly share the genome sequence of the virus until January 12th, delaying World Health Organization's ability to make tests for the new coronavirus. Uh, in mid-Jan, the, the WHO volunteered to send a team into China, but was declined. And on January 22nd, just three weeks after first being notified of the virus's existence, WHO convened an emergency meeting to determine if the outbreak qualified as a public health emergency. It obviously passed. And then on March 11th, alarmed by the disease's spread and government's inaction, the director general announced that the COVID-19 could be considered a, pu- a pandemic. Ultimately, referring to it as a pandemic is simply a descriptor. But what I found interesting was, oh, this is so good. Um, By March, Trump said, I don't take responsibility at all for the slow American response to COVID-19. On April 14th, by which the time the U.S. death toll. Wait, no, that's not what I was talking for. Sorry, guys. Um... Sorry, that was a really interesting part. Should the World Health Organization have recommended travel plans as COVID-19 spread? So that's kind of why Trump's angry at World Health. So a lot of people have criticized them. And the travel ban was put in in March, which isn't that. That's okay, not okay. Ooh. Um, I find it interesting that America's told to use masks when the World Health Organization was like, you don't need masks. So, essentially, oh yeah, that's it. Essentially, Trump had all this inaction. Like, on March 11th, I believe, he said that everyone needs to calm down, and then on March 12th, the first person died. So, oh, not so good. Now, let's look at Fox News. I don't read Fox News, so this could be interesting. Um, Trump declared that the United States would undertake a 60 to 90 day investigation into why the China centric world health, world health organization has caused so much death by severely mismanaging and covering up the coronavirus spread. The United States is the world health organization's largest single donor in the state department has previously planned to provide the agency $893 million. So that's a lot. Wow. Fox News telling facts. I'm shocked. Can you guys hear this? I thought it would be interesting to listen to the press conference because, like, why not? Oh. Sorry, it's just loading. Oh, I should probably just reload the page. Uh, yeah, essentially, Fox News... This article is interesting because it doesn't, like, say Trump was right, but it doesn't really say he was wrong either. Can you guys hear that? So he's essentially saying he's chosen to halt all, well, not all funding, but currently all funding to the World Health Organization. It's because they're supposedly China-centric, which I find really interesting. I think... Trump views them as China-centric, considering China was originally hit the hardest from the coronavirus. So, obviously, World Health Organization helped them the most. Which makes sense, but either Trump loves attention or something else. I think it's interesting that Italy just kind of stopped being talked about. Has anyone else noticed that? 
I just, I feel like everyone just like, there was like a solid, like I think in March, everyone was talking about Italy's coronavirus response. And then it just, I want to see how Italy's doing. Sorry if you hear me typing. I find it kind of satisfying, but whatever. If you guys don't like it, that's not my problem. Oh, nine hours ago, Italy reports fewest vi- um, just quickly. Italy posted the fewest virus fatalities in almost six weeks as the government has paved the way for a new stimulus package to revive an economy stalled by containment measures. That's amazing. There were two hundred. Th- there were two thousand three hundred fifty-seven cases compared to three thousand twenty-one a day earlier. That's pretty good. I think good for that. Oh, not exactly good for them, but you know what? They're doing better. The number of recovered patients is at two thousand six hundred twenty-two. I think that's great. Let's see how Australia are doing. Sorry if you guys don't like me typing, but it's actually not my issue. Actually, it is. I shouldn't get angry at my listeners. They're the ones paying for this. Um, oh, my God. So we have 6,703 confirmed cases, 5,378 recovered cases, and only 81 deaths. I think that's really impressive. Worldwide, there's... New South Wales seem to be really, like, getting ready to go out of lockdown, yet they have 3,000 confirmed cases while everyone else, well, Victoria only has 1,000. So it's like, why would they go back now? Well, let's compare compare American coronavirus cases. Oh, this is going to be hard to read. 956,000 confirmed cases, 102,000 confirmed recovered. That's good. And 53,928 deaths. And it seems as though it's going up. Interesting. New York obviously has the most cases. Out of the 956,000 confirmed cases, New York has 282,000. This is tough. Alrighty, let's stop looking at cases. It's just going to make me sad. Let's go back. Um, That was scary. Uh, I'd like to talk about, this might be over by the time you guys are listening to it. If anyone is listening to it, I'd be shocked. The anti-lockdown protesters in America. I mean, frankly, for me, maybe other people disagree. I think this just shows how corrupt America is. I understand if there are protesters in very small towns that haven't been so affected by the coronavirus that could reopen because they're so small that like, they're not going to be affected by the coronavirus. They haven't had any cases, so they deserve to go back to work and stuff. That is fair. They should go back. But, like, there are all these huge protesters in, like, Orange County, Texas, Michigan, Maryland, California, Washington. It's, like, what thousands gathered close to each other? I just don't understand. So I'm going to start by reading the Vox article. So the whiteness of anti-lockdown protests and how ignorance, privilege, and anti-black racism is driving white protesters to risk their lives. So according to this, um, it seems as though basically all the protesters are conservatives waving Trump 2020 flags with signs that read, no liberty, no life. What has been most glaringly obvious about these protests is the, isn't the far-right theatrics, it's that almost everyone marching to end stay-at-home orders is white. 
And if they do return to regular life and refuse to distance themselves, their overt disregard will impact the population most most vulnerable to the virus, black people. On the surface, the protests are about the continuous debate over reopening the economy during a pandemic when more commerce risks more infection and the overwhelming of our hospital systems. Trump and other Republicans who have pushed to scrap lockdown orders sooner rather than later argue that doing so will prevent the country from going into economic collapse. So it's about the economy. Fair. I mean, (laughs) that's kind of a huge part of America, let's be honest. I mean, I don't really have to be honest. To be fair, some some protesters have expressed a deep financial need to return to work to keep their lights on and roofs over their head, which is understandable given that 26 million Americans have lost their jobs, skyrocketing the unemployment rate. But these protesters are also attended by Trump supporters who have been convinced by conservative media pundits like Fox News contributor Bill Bennett who during an April, th- April 13th interview on Fox argued that the virus is actually less deadly than the seasonal flu and that this was not a pandemic. Before COVID-19 began to ravage our country in February, our country, sorry, it's an American news site, their country, the Trump administration doubled down on claims that the virus was no more deadly than the seasonal flu and the containment was airtight. These claims were made despite the C- CDC warning that the community spread was inevitable. So that's not great. This isn't just happening in rural areas. Protests are also happening in wealthy, elite, and yes, very white cities and suburbs too. Residents of Newport Beach and Huntington Beach, two two Southern California coastal cities in Orange County, aired their grievances by the hundreds last week. That's got to hurt. Uh, While it might seem ludicrous that whiteness and income level would somehow make people immune to infection, there is some truth to such beliefs. In the event that the rich white folks find themselves with a cough or fever, they're more likely to have the reassurance and privilege of access to local testing centers and quality, unbiased healthcare. Meanwhile, black people do not have access to quality and racially unbiased healthcare. Between 2010 and 2018, blacks black people were 1.5 times more likely to be uninsured compared to white people. Oppression 101. On Twitter earlier this week, I saw a meme about whites feeling oppressed by the current lockdown order, which I knew to be a joke. During an interview on Fox and Friends, Michigan conservatives shared their residents of Michigan feel oppressed and there are certain businesses and workers that should be able to go back safely. So ironically, some of these conservative white groups that want to be liberated now also um, fought tooth and nail against movements such as Black Lives Matter and did not understand the value nor the need for blacks to speak out about their actual oppression. Pretty interesting. Um, Just to clear the air, all of these people are holding these horrible signs saying like (laughs) gay people are sinners and stuff. And it's just like, what? Like thought this was about the lockdown, but okay. Now I'm going to read a Fox News article because that's what I love, Fox News. Uh, this is about the Arizona protests, not protests in general. I unfortunately couldn't find that. Um, an Arizona nurse on the front lines of coronavirus stood face-to-face with demonstrators in Phoenix. One photograph showed a protester waving an American flag close to her face. Other demonstrators without masks appeared to approach the group of nurses coming within close proximity of both the healthcare workers and each other, ignoring the Center for Diseases Control and Provincial Social Distancing Guidelines to remain six feet apart. About 500 protesters gathered together in a Patriots rally. 
And they were saying a lot of mean and cruel things that I think came from a place of fear, the nurse said. That's not very kind. Responding to a question about those who lost jobs, the nurse said that she was compassionate for those suffering and doesn't want her message to incite fear, but rather remind people that coming out of lockdown needs to be done gradually. Arizona recorded at least 5,251 confirmed coronavirus cases with at least 208 deaths. And that was on Thursday. So it's probably not the best idea to go outside right now. Let's look at the comments. This is where it gets good. It's like all the old people. I'm so sick of being told medical personnel are on the front lines. Blah, blah, blah. You know who's really on the front lines of this scam? The 22 million unemployed. They're the ones feeling the consequences of these suicidal lockdowns. And many more have had their pay drastically reduced. Virtually every private sector worker who has lost his job would go to the front lines in a heartbeat and work and risk in getting the virus. There is nothing special about these medical professionals. They're simply allowed to work, and thus, they do. So would almost everyone else, if allowed to. That's interesting. Don't care for these Democrats. If they were really nurses and cared, they should have been a hospital, not protesting against those fighting for their constitutional rights. I think that's interesting because if you actually do a little research, you notice that the protests are actually blocking nurses from getting inside the hospital. Interesting method. You do you. Oh, oh, T-Stirrer, someone commented, they would have been, but the protesters were wasting their time. The one thing I miss was when articles show number of cases and the number of deaths. What I don't see is how many of these have had, have had, have such had other illnesses such as diabetes, kidney disease, heart problems, or other ailments, also their ages. From what I've seen, 95% of the protesters are over 50 years old and 99.2% have underlying conditions. That's really random to come in. Okay. She is ignorant and selfish because she gets to keep her job. Wrong against their people who need to provide for their families and undertake the risk. Look, I understand people need to provide for their families, but it, in a sense, everyone's in the same boat and we can't forget that. So, what's so hard about staying home for another month or so? Those who lost their jobs are the ones who feel the pain of lost income, but are getting a stimulus check and collecting unemployment. No civil liberties have been lost. It's a temporary situation. These protesters are nothing more than the conspiracy nut jobs. <laughs> gross bunch of fat babies. I get it. You're white and you're bored. Sis snapped. Sis really snapped. Oh my God. And then someone else commented, go back to the rock you crawled from underneath, you troll. It's tense. It's really tense. I can sense. Alrighty. Uh, Let's have a little look at Trump said that China may have started the coronavirus deliberately, but top advisors in the Trump administration claim attacking Beijing may be the best way for the president to save his job. Oh, this is good. This is from Business Insider, which I think is pretty um, centrist. I could be wrong. Call me out on it if I am. So essentially, President Donald Trump has claimed that China may have allowed the coronavirus to spread deliberately, but if they were knowingly responsible, there should be consequences. Consequences. Trump's approach approach to China has veered between blaming it for the coronavirus outbreak and seeking to strike a more conciliatory tone. Top Republicans, though, believe that Trump's best path to victory in November's presidential election is to take a rough line against China and cast Beijing as the boogeyman. Interesting. Um, 
It could have been stopped in China before it started and it wasn't. And the whole world is suffering because of it, Trump said at the Daily White House. Interesting. Uh, yeah, a lot of... It's interesting to blame... I mean, a lot of people are. My grandma sent me an article saying that coronavirus was started by them on purpose, which is interesting. Inside the viral spread of a coronavirus origin theory, which I think they're talking about how the coronavirus was started. I could be wrong. Call me out on that. Do you guys like when I whisper? Is that a bit weird? Sorry. Sorry. And also sorry if you're listening at this point still. I just feel kind of bad. I'm going a bit crazy. Alrighty. It's loaded. This is from Vanity Fair, which, I mean, is it really left or right wing? It kind of just like interviews Lady Gaga and talks about the Oscars. Anyway, um, we don't know where it originated, but we do know that we have to get to the bottom of that, Trump said. The theory adds a scary new layer to Donald Trump's blame China strategy. So, oh, here we go. Um, Republican Senator went on Fox News and floated an alternative theory about the provenance of the deadly disease. The early scientific consensus was that never before seen coronavirus had most likely jumped from bats to another form of wildlife, perhaps the type of exotic animal like a pangolin sold at Wuhan's, um, I'm not going to try and pronounce that, seafood wholesale market, where it then achieved a natural zoo non zoonotic transmission to humans. Cotton wanted Fox News's channel viewers to hear about other, another possible origin story. Um, the seafood market, he noted, was not far from a ba- major biosafety lab. We don't know where it originated from, but we do know that we have to get to the bottom of that. We also know that a few miles away from the food market is China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that researches human infectious diseases. Now, we don't have evidence that this disease originated here, but because of China's duplicity and dishonesty from the beginning, we need to at least start to question to see what the evidence says. And China right now is not giving any evidence on that question at all. He didn't say so outright, but there was an unmistakable unmistakable subtext to his commentary implying that the SARS COVID-2 could even have been made man-made. We have such laboratories ourselves in the United States run by our military, he continued, in large part done for preventative purposes or trying to discover vaccines to all protect our own soldiers. China's obvious very secretive about what happens at the Wuhan laboratory. You know what? It's, I don't agree with that method, but whatever floats your boat. I, I wonder why, I think it's interesting. I'm not really sure why, like, as in, there are a lot of people in New York, obviously, but I wonder why New York was hit the hardest. Like, there's not many protests in New York. Let's do a little research. Why New York has hit, been hit the hardest by coronavirus? This is an opinion piece by the CNN. Oh, my God. Why didn't I even think of the CNN, guys? Guys. Uh, New York State reached a tragic milestone this week. The total cases are 181,000. But this was April. This was a week ago. Oh, two weeks ago. So 
Um, New York has a lot of suburban counties. Is the reason simply population size and density? New York is by far the nation's most populous city with more than 8 million people, twice as many as Los Angeles. But New York also has eight or nine times more cases than any other city. So what gives? No other country or county has a fraction of the cases of New York City. So have you guys heard about population density? COVID-19 spreads most easily when people are packed together in churches or cruise ships, in outdoor events like concerts or Mardi Gras, or perhaps in small apartments with multiple roommates or large families. New York's population density, about 27,000 people per square mile, is easily the highest in the country, though it's nowhere near the top for cities across the globe. Many cities in Asia, for example, have a density of nearly 40,000 people per square mile. Interesting. The density explanation may explain some of the difference, but not all of it. New York's densest borough in Manhattan, while relatively sprawling, Queens sits at four out of five. Oh, good for Queens. Maybe it's because so much testing is being done in New York. If you test more, you find more. And if you find more, you test even more. It's likely that more tests and more tests per population are performed in New York than anywhere else in the United States. And the New York rate stacks up favorably to countries. Interesting. Very interesting. I want... mm, I... This is... I think this has hit New York hard. And I think New York's going to take a long time to get over this. I mean, without getting icky like i've i don't know if you guys have seen those photos of new york with all those like hundreds of body bags it's hundreds of thousands of body bags like mass graves i mean it's devastating let's not try and hide it (sighs) don't get emotional theo actually no do get oh i don't think on one note, I think that I, I used to think that this was going to be the end for Trump. People, Republicans and Democrats alike would see through Trump's bullshit and realize that, I mean, he's to blame for this. But, I mean, I think it's just amazing that, Repu- that like, I don't, maybe it has, but I've never seen Republicans so devoted to someone before. They will believe anything, anything he says. I mean, like Trump said to inject yourself with, the cleaning detergent and then was like oh my god i was joking everyone stopped taking it so seriously maybe don't joke during a global pandemic vibes um i thought people would really hate trump after this but i mean i don't know i think trump still has a chance at the november election my question is whether the um debates between trump and joe will even happen because i feel like Trump could just pull the card being like, I'm too stressed. I can't. And then, and then it'll just, but at the same time, like what would happen then? That'd just be unfair for Americans. I, I want to just for, for the one final thing, I want to do a little dive into Joe Biden's sexual assault, sexual assault claims. Cause I haven't really done much research on them, but now that we're talking about American, I mean, why not? Uh, new evidence supports credibility of Tara Reid's allegation against against Joe Biden emerges. A new piece of evidence has emerged buttressing the buttressing buttressing. I don't know um, the credibility of Tara Reid's claim that she told her mother about allegations of sexual harassment and assault related to her former boss Joe Biden. 
Biden, through a spokesperson, has denied the allegations. Readers claim to various media outlets, including The Intercept, that she told her mother, a close friend, and her brother about both the harassment and, to varying degrees of detail, the assault at the time. Her brother and her friend, who had asked to remain anonymous, both confirmed that they heard about the allegations from Reed at the time. Reed's mum died in 2016, but both her brother and friend have also confirmed Reed's Reed had told her mother and that her mother, a longtime feminist and activist, urged her to go to the police. In an interview with The Intercept, Reed also mentioned that her mother had made a phone call to Larry King live on CNN, during which she had made a reference to her daughter's experience in Capitol Hill. Reed told The Intercept that her mother called in asking for advice after Reed, then in her 20s left Biden's office. Reed couldn't remember the date or the year of the phone call, and King didn't exclude the names of the name of the caller of the phone. Um, interesting. So essentially, Larry King was alarmed about it, but didn't really take it forward. Reed's inability to remember the exact date of the alleged assault or its precise location, or the precise location of the office where she picked up the form needed to file a complaint has been used by skeptics to just suggest that the allocation is fabricated. What the emergence of the call shows is that even Reed's memory is off on timing or details. The substance of her claims in this case that her mother called Larry King and discussed her situation can still be true. Interesting. Alrighty, guys. Thanks for a great app. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. This one was, like, reasonably long. I'm kind of proud of you guys. I hope you guys have a good day. Yeah. Thanks. Righty, everyone. Thank you for listening to the seventh episode of Beyond the Echo Chamber. I hope you enjoyed it. I like kind of enjoyed it. I got a little more woke today. I learned about what's really going on. I hope this gave you an opportunity to pick sides. I'm sorry if I seem biased. I didn't mean to, but at the same time, I kind of did. If you choose to choose that it was right for Trump to pull out of the World Health Organization, then sure, that is your opinion, and I'm not going to hold you against that. But I think it's important to read all facts, and that's why I read a lot of conservative media as well as left-wing media, just to get a good understanding of it all. I hope you guys have a good day. Um, Yeah. I really want to interview Rose McGowan, but she's not answering my texts. Ronan Farrow left me on red. Like he didn't even respond saying, sorry, I'm busy. Like he just like left me on red, which is like, okay. But you know what? They're busy. I'm not going to hold that against them. If I see him, if I see Kevin O'Rourke in parliament, I, I,